Who are you? Who is to perform following the function of what? And what I am is a man in a mask. With great power comes great responsibility. I'm Spider-Man. You are amazing. I'm Spider-Man. You do too much. You're not Superman, you know. I'm Spider-Man. Who are you? Who? Who is to perform following the function of what? And what I am is a man in a mask. And merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a mask man. And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of TrackSounds.com. I'm your host, Christopher Coleman. And on the line tonight, we have Marius Massilar up in Canada. How are you, Marius? I'm very good. Awesome, awesome. And Edmund Meinertz, a la C-Note, who I think is coming live from the United States. Yep, I'm in the Twin Cities right now awesomeness and just how cold is it in the twin cities can't be very cold must be oh nice. high 90s i'd say oh yeah you guys have been blasted good good for you um and richard buxton monkey butler man all the way out in you're in the uk still right you didn't leave for summer or anything no i'm still here you're still there holding the fort yeah. <laughs> well it's good to hear your all of your guys's voices um helen san hopefully will be able to join us a little bit later in the show. Uh, but this is a bonus edition of the Soundcast and not our official episode 50, as I'm holding out hope for a very special interview uh, for that particular episode. Um, so I don't want to give anything away or jinx it by saying anything at this point, but um, this is going to be a bonus episode where we don't get into all of our what we've been listening to and uh, sidetracks and all that. We want to jump straight into Spider-Man, especially the amazing Spider-Man. I know we're a couple weeks late on that, Um, but I like to let things percolate a little bit and not necessarily have a gut reaction, which was more along the lines of what we did for Prometheus, I think, which if you listen to that episode, you could hear that there was a lot of high emotion involved, which is good and it was fun. It's a great discussion. Um, so welcome to all of you in the chat room as well. We're glad you're uh, tuning in tonight, and we hope to uh, include you in the conversation as much as possible. If you're new to the Soundcast, all we do is talk soundtracks, whether it be film music, TV music, video game music, that's all we talk about. And there are not a lot of podcasts around that uh, focus on this particular topic. So we hope you enjoy what you listen to tonight, and or whenever you're downloading and listening to it. And we hope that you'll tell somebody about it. Like, look, there's this podcast called The Soundcast out there. And man, they talk about something that we just don't hear too much about. And um, a very neglected part of the movie TV and video game ex- experience, which is the music, of course. Um, so The Amazing Spider-Man came out a couple weeks ago. It's been doing pretty well at the box office. Uh, I think it I think it passed the, what was it, the $200 million domestic mark uh, recently, uh, which is not bad. Um, the reviews have been mixed. The first reviews were quite good, which got me kind of excited to see it. And, and admittedly, the trailer before... Uh, was it Prometheus or something? I think it was Prometheus when I saw the Spider-Man trailer before that. Got me pretty excited to see. Um, it was not what I expected, though. Well, we're going to get more into that later. Um, all of you have seen... Well, Richard, you haven't seen the movie yet. Um, for those of you who don't know, let me give you a quick background on what The Amazing Spider-Man is all about. As we know, that we had the three from Sam Raimi about 10 years ago, uh, which gave us 
a pretty significant dose of the Spider-Man story, although it diverted, as the movies always do, from the comic books. But this rendition, uh, which was being helmed by director Mark Webb, was focusing on the untold story uh, of Peter Parker, the part that we had not been told before, at least in the films. And that's what intrigued me most. I thought, okay, they're going to dive into some new stuff, even though it is the quote-unquote origin story yet again. Um this time he he discovers some mysterious things that belong to his parents or to his father, and uh, it kind of sheds a whole new mystery on who he is and what he's destined to become and why he is what he is and all of this. Um, so without getting into too many spoilers yet, that's kind of a very general synopsis, but it is another origin story. Um, and so tonight we're going to be talking about mostly the amazing Spider-Man, but we're also going to go back and talk a little bit about some of the things we liked and disliked about any of the pre-incarnations uh, of the Spider-Man franchise um, in terms of film and even TV. So, guys, uh, let me ask you, um, Edmund, you saw it recently, this weekend. What's your general reaction? No spoilers yet. What's your general reaction to The Amazing Spider-Man? I liked it. I don't know whether I would call it amazing, but, yes, I, d- I think I definitely liked it. Uh, if I had to rank the series just uh, in general, I think I liked it slightly more than Spider-Man 1, slightly mm-hmm. less than Spider-Man 2, and a whole lot more than Spider-Man 3. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Maris, you saw it also this weekend. What were yes, your general did. thoughts? Um, it's the best Spider-Man thing I've seen so far. Hmm. Of all things. Of all wow. Spider-Man things that I have encountered thus far in my wanderings, I would put this one on top. <laughs> Which it's it's not necessarily as big a compliment as it might sound sure. like on the surface, but yeah, that's that's pretty. I'm pretty confident saying that. Okay, all right, yeah, and I would echo that sentiment. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's the best of all things Spider-Man, but it definitely in terms of feature films, it's 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 right up there at the top. I would say, and I think for the same reasons you're saying, Marius, is that those which preceded it were not so great. Uh, at least in my opinion, the the, the previous three. I don't hold up in very high regard. Um, but So I think it surpasses that. Um, it Were you guys thoroughly entertained from start to finish? Yes. You Not were. from start to finish. Okay. Was it what parts, where, where did it not entertain you? I felt that there was a bit of a sag in the middle. Um, I, I'm... Just thinking back on it, I think that they probably could have stood to um, remove a few minutes that were just extraneous, just stuff that was starting to drag a little bit before the uh, before the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, not not wanting to get into any particular spoilers, but yeah, I just I felt that it it started strong, it ended okay, but the somewhere in the middle, it just kind of lost my attention. I was no longer on the edge of my seat, or you know, very engaged so yeah yeah i think that's sort of what i liked about it i liked that it took its time with the origin story um i mean we don't really get to see him as spider-man until halfway through the movie and i like that oh yeah no that's what i mean like the beginning was was great i i I more mean i guess towards the the middle end portion like the patient build um didn't bother me it was somewhere in between us seeing him as spider-man and then the ending that i just I don't know, somewhere I got bored along the way. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little bored at the beginning, believe it or not. I mean, it, it, I didn't, and the reason I say that is because it took more time than I thought that they were going to 
with the with those with the main beats of the Spider-Man origin story. Um, and so I was kind of like, okay, I want more stuff that I didn't know. You know, I was waiting for more and more and more of that. And um, there was, of course, it was there was that in there, but it just was a little bit slower and a not enough new stuff to keep me from getting a little bored um, by the time the thing really got going. So uh, I hate to say that it failed there because it didn't completely fail. It just kind of failed my expectation. Um, so let me ask you, Richard, uh, with all the stuff you've heard, both positive and negative, it, it, I, am I, can I take it that it's been the negative that's kept you from going to see it yet? Um, yeah, a mixture of that and thinking it's pretty unnecessary for it to even be released because I really enjoyed the first two oh. uh, Raimi films and okay. this, I, don't, I don't really feel it needs to happen again, you know, so soon. Yeah, I mean, it's 10 years since the yeah. first one. Um, you know, you got a whole new generation of little kids who... Uh, yeah, <laughs> lots know, of that. money to spend. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. And they knew people were going to go back and see another one. Yeah. Um, so, so does it? Is it? It's just off-putting to you in general that they're doing another one, and and since you like the first first couple, you're not really interested to see the different take on it. Yeah, well, I I was kind of interested for a while, and then I saw the trailers, and I really didn't like them. Um, I know oh, it's, wow. it's kind of unfair to entirely judge a film on a trailer, but mix that with my feeling beforehand, and sure, kind of lost I, interest. I would agree that the trailer was not very encouraging. Wow. See, I was exact opposite. I had no interest in the film until I saw the final trailer. And then I was very interested. I might not have seen the f- I might have seen some of the earlier trailers, but not the final one. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The early ones did nothing for me. Yeah. The, fi- the final one was the like, oh, I want to see that. When I first heard it was coming out, I sort of rolled my eyes, especially when the tagline the untold story popped up and it's like <laughs> Uh, okay. But, and then the trailers, I was like, okay. But then, uh, some of the earlier reviews were good and Ebert gave it three and a half stars. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll go and see it. And yeah, I think it's not 100% redundant and I'm glad. Right. No, that would have been a disaster yeah. if they didn't, they had to cover some new territory or, or it would have just been killed from, from, from the word go. Um, I really enjoyed, I think the thing I enjoyed the most about it was, was uh, Andrew Garfield as uh, Peter Parker. I was never a big fan of Tobey Maguire, although he kind of did fit the the role pretty well. I thought Andrew Garfield, his acting, I thought the acting overall was pretty good, but I thought he was really good. And to me, he was the best thing about about the film. Um, what did you guys think about him as Peter Parker? I yeah, definitely just, agree with you. He was really, and, yeah, he was really likable. Um yeah, I thought he was he was relatable. I mean, he was teenagery, but not necessarily completely off-puttingly so. <laughs> he he was no Edward Cullen. I, I've I've read that comparison on a couple of comments. But... Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Do you, uh, does Andrew Garfield put you off, um, Richard? Um, I haven't really seen him in much, but he was the only film I've seen him in. I think is The Social Network. Yeah, and he was good in that. So not it's oh. not really anything to do with him. It's just okay. the whole thing, you know. I think I'll yeah. see it eventually. Okay, it's just not something okay. I want to go to the theater for. Yeah, yeah. Did any of you see it in three D? I did actually. I saw it in AVX something or other. Yeah. Did it make a difference? Did you enjoy it in that? 
I did actually. It was uh, it was good. It wasn't. Um, I didn't notice it in too many parts. It was kind of a more subtle thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't complain. It wasn't. It didn't blow my mind. It wasn't anything like you know an Avatar in three D yeah. kind of thing. But it was. Uh, it was also mm-hmm. not one of those um, awful looking, very faked three D experiences where I feel like it actually makes it worse. Yeah. Um like yeah. I didn't feel it was necessary but it also seemed to be um authentic and used in a way that was um if not flattering at least complimentary. Yeah. So that I was yeah, I was okay with it in 3D. Okay. Uh Edmund, did you see it in 3D? No, I haven't seen a movie in a 3D in a long time. Oh, really? You just have banned it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty <Okay>. much. <laughs> I don't it I don't Yeah, I don't like paying more money to get a headache. <laughs> Yeah, understood. Um, well, let's move on to spoiler talk here. So, Richard, I don't know if you want to go on mute for <laughs> for a little bit. Um, if you do, someone can just put in the chat when we're when we're not spoiling. I'm okay. Anyway. It's okay. okay good. All right. I don't know if there's really much to spoil. To be honest, yeah, I think yeah, I, I was going to say there's an not idea. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, okay. So, those of you in the chat room, if if you don't want to know any more detail than you've heard. Um, you may just want to mute for a few minutes and then someone, some nice person in the chat room will say we're done with uh, spoiler. Um, to, I'll cut to the chase on, on the, probably the biggest thing that would be any spoiler, and that would be the, the tease uh, in the end credits, which I have to say, I don't, did you guys stay? I mean, it wasn't at the very end, but it was during the end credits. Did you guys stay for that? Yep. You knew it was coming. Yeah. And... I have to say it was the absolute worst tease I have ever seen for anything at any time. It was it, a very it was very generic. It was like why did why bother? I mean, isn't the idea to make you want to see the obligatory sequel because uh, that it gave you no new information. It didn't do anything. It just didn't do anything. And I, it made me mad. It made me mad at the franchise <laughs> instead of saying, "Oh, cool, I can't wait to see the next one." I don't know what were your guys' reaction? I, I suppose the only thing it really did was um, it refreshed the audience's memory that the secret behind his parents will still be important because you may have forgotten that during the third act. I guess. But that's pretty much all it did, really. I mean, I, yeah, I was waiting for more of that to be in the movie. And so when it wasn't, just to be reminded of that at the end was like, um, okay. I hate you. <laughs> Uh, what was your reaction, Marius? Yeah, more or less along the same lines. I mean, it didn't bother me, but it was kind of... Um, it, it felt like a very heavy-handed way to um, foreshadow a sequel. Uh, and and it's, it's true. I mean, it's not like... Realistically, I don't think anyone would have forgotten that that whole aspect hadn't really been addressed in the film. But yeah. if they had, then this is just kind of annoying because it's like, oh, you watch part of the credits and then the film is like... Hey, (laughs) remember this one huge unanswered question? Yeah, it's still unanswered, isn't it? That sucks until 2014. See ya. (laughs) And we're going to not give you any clue as to who the shadowy figure is. Exactly. You can probably guess who it is, but it's just like you can't even get a shape or like, oh, that must be. It's just like uh, I'm guessing that's this person. There was a hat. Yeah. There. There was a hat, but it's like. There was no one with a hat in the movie. You know, there was no point of reference to be like, oh, like all of the Avenger movie teasers were like, 
pretty clear. Like, yeah. oh, that's Thor's hammer, <laughs> or oh, but, you know, that's the Tesseract, or you know what I mean? I mean, that's the disadvantage. They don't have a different character that they can set up unless it's a new villain. But they didn't yeah, set well, up a new villain. Not, well, yeah, you kind of. I, I mean, you think that whoever the guy in the hat was is probably a villain. Yeah. But you have no clue, really. You can guess, but yeah, it's just it just thought it was awful. They should have just left it out and just said, "There's a sequel coming," and left it at that. That would have been more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it would have been more. It'd been better. See, um, but to me, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we've been trained in the past few years. But to me, whenever I see anything like that, all I read from it is a big "to be continued" sign on the screen, anyway. So yeah. one doesn't really frustrate me any more than the other because they're all essentially giving me the same message. I guess this mm. one is just a little more empty because it really gives you no nothing. information. <laughs> exactly. It's just zero. <laughs> it gives you nothing. It's, I, I mean, I literally sat there. I looked at my nephew who, was, who watched it with me. I was like, why did they even bother to do that? I mean, it was like they shot it in like two seconds. Like, okay, got to get a guy here in silhouette standing there, and the guy sitting here in the in the in the in the in the cell. And you say this line, you say this line, done. You know, it's like they just shoved it in there just to say they could, just so they could say they had a little teaser in the end credits. It was terrible. Um, anything else in terms of the details of the film? What do you guys think of the lizard as the villain? How they pulled that off, anyway? One good. of the week. I thought it was one of the weaker things of the film. I thought that the the um, Doctor Octopus was more compelling. Yeah. For instance, well, I think. Well, well, I tend to agree because, as someone else, I think it was on the Slash Film Cast, they were talking about this because his motivation, as defined by the movie, is he has half an arm. <laughs> that's his motivate. That's all they tell us in the movie. This is why he's doing everything he's doing. And that just is like, I don't feel bad for him. I, it certainly doesn't justify what he's doing. Um, so I thought that was done pretty, uh, pretty bad, pretty badly. Well, later on, he seems to gain a new motivation, which is to change this whole the whole city into oh, that's true. lizard people. But that that's sort true. of came out of nowhere as well. I mean, he had one of those conversations where he's talking to a, to his lizard side, uh, which yes, is, which right. seems to be the obligatory. You know, Spider-Man villain monologue that you had with Green Goblin and his mask, and then Doctor Octopus and his arms. <laughs> true. <laughs> Every Spider-Man villain is a split personality. Yeah, and they didn't really, you know, they did kind of go a little bit with the with the lizard army, but he turns people to lizards, and then they just turn back. <laughs> it was yeah, like, basically. why? Yeah, why? And I mean. The- I, my whole... guess is that they've edited something out there because that was really a waste of time. Yeah, plus it was the whole, you know, um, the, it was the whole, you know, end of first X-Men poison cloud on the top of a building <laughs> climax. It's like, okay, seen this too. <laughs> yes. Well, and you uh, you said, it sounded like you said you you kind of liked it, Marius, the lizard. Well, not that I liked it, but I, it, that really didn't bother me. I can't say that I was in any way upset by it yes he's a very two-dimensional villain no there's absolutely no um dynamic range there but honestly that was like oh okay i don't i don't care because his only purpose in the franchise as far as i could tell um was to be used as a vessel for this prologue so really i think that any future villain that comes in the sequels uh, i'm going to judge a little more um 
severely, but this one was kind of a throwaway, and they kind of, I don't know, at least the language of the film to me presented him as such. I, I didn't really get the sense that I was supposed to take him too seriously as a villain. Like, none of the actions that he was proposing or actually perpetrating seemed to be on a scale that was large enough to feel threatening. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it certainly wasn't until he decided, I'm going to change everybody into lizard people and spray it, you know, that it, or at least everyone in New York. Yeah, I guess but, so. But by that point, it was like, yeah, obviously that's not going to work out for you, buddy. It's, it's <laughs> you know, that was not, you know, if that had been presented from the beginning when we still, you know, didn't know that he could be stopped, then that would have been a different story. But it just, his his turn of, uh, you know, change of direction to wanting to do that um, just came so late that at that point I was like, oh, okay, yeah, go for it. Give it a shot. See what happens. <laughs> and it just it didn't it didn't have you know very much impact but it didn't bother me because i didn't i wasn't like thinking that he was supposed to be a very compelling villain hmm yeah I, well i can only imagine that whenever they make one of these they're trying their hardest to make the at least i hope they are trying to make the villains compelling and that you can understand their motivation and or or at least be revolted by them or something, but I was just like, this guy has half an arm, and so he has this huge motivation to do all of this because he lost half of his arm. Just didn't I didn't buy it, and I was waiting for more, but there was just very little motivation. Um, Wendell Scores says something, and he asked the question, can any comic movie villain be taken seriously? And I say yes, even though it's a comic, and... Um, yeah, I think that they can reflect some very real mindsets in the world. Take, for instance, the Joker. I mean, he's just an anarchist. And, you know, there are people like that, though they might not go as far as the quote-unquote Joker did in the film. Um, there are people who think that way. Um, and even Two-Face, uh, you know, someone who suffers loss, you know, can just lose it and want to strike revenge on them. And you can I actually could feel for those characters, those villains. I could understand. Well, I didn't understand the the Joker's motivation, but I could understand the mindset. Um, and same with Two Face. But with the Lizard, it's just like he's a villain's for villain's sake, you know. Essentially, so what what do you guys think about that? Can comic book villains be taken seriously? Well, beyond the Dark Knight, I've yet to encounter any. So. I don't know, really. I mean, that's that's for me. That was why the Dark Knight stood apart from the rest of the superhero films that I'd seen, largely because the villains were, uh, well, to me, they were the most compelling part of the film. I mean, everyone who's been listening to the soundcast for a while knows how much I uh, enjoy superhero things in general, and so Batman holds very little appeal as a character, but. Um, the Joker, as portrayed in The Dark Knight, was uh, was extremely compelling, and he was interesting. And so um, it can happen. Obviously, it is possible. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I tend to be on Wendell's side with this one. It just seems like it happens so infrequently that it's more the exception when they get it right. Oh, it is, for sure. But I think that's what they should be striving for, um, is, to, is to do that, is to make their villains compelling make them make them more well-rounded and thought out than just oh we need a bad guy and he needs to have some motivation so let's just you know i mean and i and i believe that was at least i'm not i can't remember specifically but i think that's what his motivation was in the comic books although i thought there was more to it than that 
Um, yeah, no, fair so, point, fair point. They, they should have put in a little more effort, but it didn't upset me because I, I, I've come to not really expect very deep villains in these kinds of films. So it was like, oh, okay, another one that's not... Well, and even Loki. Loki's a pretty, pretty well thought out villain, and you know what his motivations are, and and you can see why he's come to the point that he has. Yeah, Loki was uh, Loki was very interesting. He's he's grounded in so much mythology that it would have been difficult to make that <laughs> a dull character. True, true. That is true. Um, he's a pre- he's a pretty straightforward villain compared to someone like the Joker, but you can still understand his motivations. Yes. Yeah. Are you talking about the lizard or Loki? Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, well, I think they're a little more complex than the lizard, anyway. I mean, lizard doesn't—it's not complex at all. Um, but but even what's just presented in Thor and then in the Avengers is enough to—you can—you know. Oh, I see what this guy, why he's doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? So any well, yeah. Well, we'll leave the villain talk at that point. Any other spoilery things you'd like to talk about? can't think of anything spoilery really i mean <laughs> i guess that's the consequence of it being a reboot is pretty much everything True. is in is in the public knowledge i just didn't get a chance to mention earlier when you were talking about um andrew garfield and the acting in general and all of that i wanted to agree with you and actually uh, i think the casting in general on this film um was basically the reason why i liked it so much more than the rest of the uh, um spider-man films I just, yeah. for some reason, um, Andrew Garfield, first of all, was a much more convincing Peter Parker slash Spider-Man to me. And yeah. the fact that the chemistry between him and Mary Jane um, was real, you know, obviously, because they're together in real life. I mean, it, it it was so unusual to see such real chemistry on screen. Um, and and just even the rest of the, like, even, even the side characters I thought were chosen, um, the actors were chosen very, very well. So just yeah. all around, the cast was, for me, a major contributing factor in, in what made me appreciate the film so much more than the previous generations. And it's not like, you know, it's not like Tobey Maguire was bad. Like you said, he, he yeah. does fit the mold, but there was something lacking in the portrayal. It just didn't feel as um, as interesting as as Andrew Garfield's. He's It was lacking some measure of wit or, or yeah. life or something. I don't even know how yeah. to describe it. Yeah, I totally agree. Now it was it was Gwen Stacy um, instead of Mary Jane, whatever her last name was in this one. Well, which which, yeah. is, which I'm ecstatic about because yeah. I could not stand Mary Jane. She's a big upgrade. <laughs> Mary yes. Jane was a damsel in distress. think of the score in film i enjoyed it i'd say 90 percent of it i thought was very well done in, indeed like i i the i thought the theme was excellent uh i, I noticed while i was watching that it, it sort of swings up and down the way spider-man swings up and down on the webs and i thought okay that's that's clever mm-hmm. and um yeah, he, he. It was a very. I, I liked how much piano there was in it. It was very intimate. 
like even during the action sequences, there is usually a mm-hmm. piano in it somewhere. And I mean, yes, James Horner we're talking about, so right. the piano is inevitable. But just to hear, it, it was like a, it was like a superhero version of a beautiful mind. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's what Very that's good. what that's what my first thought was listening to the score. I was like, this is like a beautiful mind with action music. Hmm. And okay. I liked that. Um, criticisms that I would level at it are plays a bit too much i think a few scenes particularly the comedy scenes would have done better with without music or with songs tracked in oh songs you're 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 actually lobbying for songs <laughs> well i just um for the comedic in the comedic meters in the yes. com- well, like the benny hill theme or something oh no no, <laughs> no, no gosh <laughs> I just remember there, there was like a brief montage of him when he was um, not used to his powers and he was like breaking the sink and and the door. Oh, and right, stuff. right. And that, there was a song playing in the background. I don't remember which. And that worked well. But then during the basketball scene and yes. the subway fight, there was score playing and, you know, Horner whipped out a tuba and boom, 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 boom. And I thought it was a little overplayed and slightly cartoonish. <laughs> I actually like I like the play basketball track. I liked it in there. Uh, it kept it light, you know. It kept it yeah. And then the finger snaps total. came in, and it's like okay, West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, did you overall feel that it worked well in the film? Yes. Okay. What about you, Marius? Uh, I really liked it. It was uh, it was a nice change of pace for. Um, for Horner, for his recent, you know, compared to his recent stuff, I felt like it was a little more um, considered, a little more uh, less rushed. Even I don't know if that if that was just my impression, but I, I enjoyed what he did with it overall. I I think the old fashioned feel was unexpected. That was something that I I didn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't actually expecting the score to be worth listening to if i'm being honest but hmm. it was uh yeah i was just expecting something that was going to be quite generic and quite in keeping with the trend that's been set with modern superhero scores um hmm. you know lots of sound designy stuff and brooding yeah. and rrr, but right. he was very um he did a very good job of of bringing some character to the score and of making it feel like a score that was unique to this film rather than one that could be plastered over any other genre film Yep. Um, so that for me was a major plus and something I wasn't expecting. Um, and yeah, I mean, beyond that, I, I enjoyed it in the film. I think the comedy, um, yeah, I mean, he could have done it differently. Uh, he could have been a little more subtle, but if, you know, it didn't bother me while I was watching. I can't say that I was pulled out of the experience. I did uh, make note of the way he treated the comedy, but it wasn't something, it somehow felt okay with Andrew Garfield's character. Yeah. Um, who was a little more uh, overtly comedic, so yeah. so that those two things kind of canceled each other out in my head. It didn't it didn't stick out, but um, yeah, I haven't actually had a chance to listen to it on album. I don't have the album. I don't. I haven't you know been able to go through it independently, so I can't really comment like that. But in the film, right. definitely, uh, definitely, it was a pleasant surprise, and it's probably um, just from from the one film viewing. Um, it sounds like it's going to be my my favorite uh, Horner score in in the past few years. Mm, okay, yeah. Now, say I'd listened to the score prior to seeing the film, so I and that definitely this and this is a good example of it. It definitely taints my experience of the film 
um, because I'm listening. F- I'm listening for the music as it was displayed or uh, as it's delivered Presented, on the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, and 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 here I think it was the mix again, but I found it very in the film. I found it very boring um, because I already knew what the theme was, so I you know you know what moments it's coming and and all that sort of thing, and I found it very very just blah but i don't blame the score as much as i do the mixing in the end i think it was mixed kind of at least in my uh, viewing experience it was mixed kind of low and it just was very very nominal um and i asked my nephew after it was over just to get because he's not a, a film music person i said did you notice the, the music at all or what do you think about it and he was like oh yeah no i didn't notice anything and Normally, when I ask that to to even non film music appreciators, they can at least they'll either they'll have some opinion like, "Yeah, I didn't really like it," or, um, "or I liked it a lot," you know. And he was just like, "Oh yeah, I forgot all about score the score," and which I thought that's not a good thing, or, or maybe it is from the from the producer's side. But um, and I so I kind of echoed that to a degree. I just didn't get much life out of it. Um, and so I kind of had a, bl- a bland experience in the film. I've found that that can very much – it can vary from theater to theater because I found yeah. that, if anything, the score was a little overplayed. Really? Yeah. I've, uh, I, and I think that it um, – the film could have used with having a few more scenes without music so that the music would have a greater impact when it was brought back. Yeah. Um, just an, an example is, uh, I think that there's a scene where, the, um, where, you know, Gwen is in the lab and the lizard's after her and she's hiding in that little cupboard or something. Right. And there's right. these, just these great big piano stabs. Yeah. And it's so refreshingly different from anything else in the score that it's really one of the most effective moments of the score mm-hmm. in the film, I thought. Yeah. And I think more moments like that would have benefited the score as how um in terms of how it plays in the film hmm. probably so I, I look forward to i won't see it again in the theater but seeing it either streaming or get the blu-ray or whatever i decide to do with it um i look forward to hearing it on my own sound system as opposed to the theaters um well, let's get Richard in and let's talk about how it how the music works on its own and i'll and i'll just say that as i've distanced myself from the film I've grown to and listen to it over and over and over again. I've grown to appreciate the score a lot more. Um, I, I think it's, as you mentioned earlier, Marius, I think it's one of his best works in some time. And in fact, I tweeted out uh, last week. I, it goes all the way back to um, the Mask of Zorro for me in terms of action. I consider this an action film. The best that he's done since then. That's a long time. That's like 97 or Yeah, 98, I think. And I would say the, the 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 sequel to the Mask of Zorro, the Legend of Zorro, whatever it was called, but that was kind of just like a regurgitation of of its predecessor. So I can't give it to that. Um, I preferred Legend. I don't know Legend. Yeah, I thought you it had preferred the second one. Yeah, I thought it, it felt more beefed up and bigger, and I and I I always like that. Hmm. Yeah, I it just felt it just felt the same to me. Even, I mean, it did have different some different elements to it, but I, the Masked Zorro was such an out of the blue, refreshing score. It, it's one of my favorite Horner Horner scores ever. Um, so this, for me, as as I'm listening to it, it gets better and better because it's so diverse. I mean, it's got all of the things that I love about Horner's music, and then new stuff. And 
it must I think it has to be said that especially when it comes to the brass that Horner was definitely influenced by what Elfman had done prior to because uh, it, it you can listen to those scores uh, sequentially and it and it's not jarring it's not very jarring to move from one uh, to the next brass and then some of the electronic stuff that he did this seems like it's very 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 influenced from from Elfman um, but Richard what did you think about what have you been thinking about the score since you've been listening to it on its own? Uh, yeah, it's good. I, I really like the main theme. Um, if you played Horner's theme and then Elfman's theme before I knew it was a Spider-Man movie, I think I would associate Elfman's theme more with the idea of Spider-Man. Maybe that's because I've seen it already. Yeah. But it kind of has a more spidery, web-swinging feel to, to it to me, for me. Um, but in the end, I think I prefer... Uh, Horner's theme overall, just as listening. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Although I wouldn't say it sounds typically Horner. Um, but yeah, I really, really do like it. I've listened to it a lot. Um, I think partway through the score it kind of dips and it gets a little tiresome. Hmm, really? It is yeah, a very so long release from what I understand. Yeah, it, it's a long album and it's not always really 100% engaging. It's 75 minutes or so. Okay, wow, that is long. See, now I listen to it straight through, and it doesn't feel long to me. I just listen to it, and I'm like, wow, this is it's just good. Because to me, there's so many, I mean, there's lots of Hornerisms in it, but not in the, just not like Hornerism after Hornerism after Hornerism, as we're used to, at least I'm used to. There's just, it's it's a good blend that keeps me interested uh, in in track after track. It's refreshing, but it's also familiar. Yes, it, exactly. It straddles right. the balance between the two really well, I yeah. think. And, and like the track you talked about, that you, the playful track, the playing basketball. Playing, yeah, playing basketball. I really like that track because it's very Thomas Newman-ish. When I heard, I was like, "Wait a minute, is this Horner or is this Thomas Newman?" I mean, it doesn't feel like Horner at all. Um, I was about. To, I kinda, yeah, I was about to make a, a a comment that some of it reminded me of of Newman, and even in the way that he used the piano in some uh, cues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Newman more than uh, uh, than old Horner, but it's interesting mm-hmm. that the Hornerisms that I picked out were more reminding me of his older, older stuff rather yes. than than like the more recent stuff that he's been yes. regurgitating so infamously. Yes. And that was cool. Exactly that was right. like okay, well, you know, as long as he's going to draw on his own um, style, he may as well go back to some interesting stuff he was doing quite a while back, which was great. I mean, I, I loved his his older material. Yep, absolutely. 100% agree with you. I, I think that's what I loved about it. I was like, oh, he's bringing that back, which is, you know, just the vocal work, too, started making me think of, like, Casper and just, you know, his story <laughs> oh, yeah. from the mid-'90s. It was like, wow, this is awesome. I haven't heard this from him in a long time. And I just found it – I have been finding it very, very entertaining. At one, um, at one point, he pulls out a fanfare that's out of the Rocketeer as well. Yes, he sure does. He sure does. Yeah. I forget what track that's in, but I heard I was it's like, oh, becoming, I haven't heard becoming that Spider-Man, the okay. second track. That cold build-up. There's a, like a, I don't know how many how many measures, but is there's a good there's a good little clip that's just yeah. like, oh, I know this and I know this well, and it's from the Rocketeer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of a fun remembrance. Um, the Middle Eastern vibe. There's a little bit of that in there, which kind of surprised me. Um, it feels like that's kind of held over from black. Is it black gold? That's the name of it, right? Black gold, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, feels like it's coming from there a little bit. Um, yeah. Other other thoughts about the music on its own. 
some Avatar bits in there you hear? Yeah, I, th- I think some of the electronics take after Avatar. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that style of electronics that he's been using since then in Avatar and the Karate Kid. Uh, it's very much Horner for the 21st century. And yeah. um, this score also reminded me a little bit of how Patrick Doyle modernized last year for Thor and Rise of the Apes. But hmm. Horner pulled it off a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would, I would certainly agree with you. Um, I actually expected more Avatarish kind of stuff because I was like, well, that was his last action film, so I was expecting him to do a lot more. So I'm glad that he didn't. I think he struck a nice balance there. Can I ask you guys a question about, since I haven't listened to it on album, this is something that, mm-hmm. that's been bugging me about his recent releases. The reason that I said some of them sounded rushed is because there were a couple of tracks in uh, on the Avatar score and on uh, the Karate Kid where very dumb little like production errors were slipping in, like loops falling out of time with things. Yeah. And hmm. did that show that. up here as well? Because that that really bothered me. Like it, for the Karate Kid and for Avatar, like those really, I, my appreciation for those scores would have been much higher if I wasn't listening to a track and being like, hey, hey, it's drifting. Oh, it's drifting. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hang on. Like it just right. that shouldn't happen on a you know on a James Horner album that's going to the that that shouldn't happen like that just right. doesn't work. So I noticed that I noticed that in Karate Kid, but not in Avatar. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't know. For me, it was um, in Avatar. It wasn't so much that they were drifting out of time or anything, but it, it sounded very much like whoever engineered the mix wasn't too good at combining orchestral and electronic elements. Like it, it just. I know that for for Avatar, um, they discovered the wonder of Omnisphere, and that's wonderful. But it didn't. The, <laughs> the way that they integrated the two felt kind of unconvincing to me. So that was, you know, I, I'm wondering, I guess, if those kinds of little inconsistencies in the actual production quality um, have been fixed. Like maybe he hired someone new, or they spent more time on it, or. I don't know, because that's going to really bother me if, if I'm hearing the score in more detail and that kind of unnecessary stuff crops up. Well, I have to be honest. I didn't, I mean, I guess I haven't listened to Avatar enough, certainly not The Karate Kid, um, to have picked up on that or to where it bothered me. And I certainly, I've listened to, I'm sure I've listened to The Amazing Spider-Man. Well, maybe not more than Avatar, but approaching. And I haven't heard anything that, that, kind of jars me in that way yeah that's encouraging i mean maybe it's just i obviously my ear is going to be fine to pick out that kind of stuff because i'm always trying to fix it in my own work right so but yeah i just for for some reason i noticed it in those two horner scores and i don't notice it in the vast majority of other soundtrack releases so it it stood out only because it's like okay you're supposed to be on the same caliber um production wise and yet there are these little errors slipping through so right, yeah. Anyway, okay. Any other thoughts on on the Amazing Spider-Man the score, Richard? Anything? Do you, let me ask you this: Do you like it more than Black Gold? Because Black Gold, uh, you you were putting no. at the top of your list. No, I you prefer don't. Black Gold. I yeah. definitely like it more than Black Gold. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't yeah. too impressed by Black Gold. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I've gone back to a whole lot. Yeah, I, I've still found that somewhat mysterious as to how that climbed the, the Richard Buxton charts to the number one spot. I just think um, every track is great. I don't really get that normally with James Horner. 
Really? I can listen to every track a number of times and not get bored. Wow, interesting. I, I've just never, I've never had it. Did you see the film? Because I haven't seen the film. No, I haven't. I and tried to. I, I think it was on here for like one week and then oh, it's right. gone. So yeah. So Spider Man doesn't surpass Black Gold. No, it's good, but not quite that good. Better than Avatar. Maybe. Maybe. Not See, quite from me. Really? Really? I, wow. I really, really enjoyed Avatar, and I think part of the reason why I still enjoy it so much is because at the time that Avatar came out, I was not a big fan of Horners. Yeah. Um, mostly we'll forgive be- you of that. Mostly because of ignorance, because I had only heard a handful of scores, and one of them was Titanic, and I really st- I st- oh, right. still don't like Titanic. And... Um, We'll forgive you that too. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> and then when Avatar came out, it was the score that that um, won me over for Horner. And I think a big part hmm. of that was the action music because I had been up until then I had I was you know under the misguided delusion that Horner was not good at action music. Oh wow! And then Avatar came out, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And yeah, and so it, it led me to go back and reappreciate Horner. And that's why Avatar kind of um, has a special place in my collection. Sure. Okay. I also yeah. just think it has a it has a, an enormous uh, feel to it. It has a scope to it that Spider Man does it not. It does. Quite it is have. big. I mean, yeah. There's no hardly any arguing that the Avatar score feels a heck of a lot bigger and heftier than, than Spider Man. Um, so I would agree with that. But it, but I, I to me Spider Man easily ascends above avatar what about you marius yeah i i have to say it does i mean for me i have the unfortunate experience that whenever i listen to the avatar score i like it less um so uh i've just stopped listening to it outright before i you know (laughs) literally there's like there's like maybe two minutes two and a half minutes of material throughout the score um distributed through maybe four tracks that i think are worthy of the film um, which in itself was not great, obviously, so I'm not saying much there, but worthy of the film's, right. uh, I guess, intentions. Um, and the rest of it is just like, ugh, I, I don't, it's, maybe it was the hype, maybe it was the the huge letdown from all the hype that was built up. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, but that that score, whenever I listen to it, I just, it, I'm more and more disappointed the more I hear it. So, yeah, for me, for me, anything that came after it, I mean, this, the Spider-Man is definitely, um, in a different league it's definitely better and i think that if nothing else i'm happy with this spider-man score because it shows me that horner is interested in reclaiming some of the yes. um lost um geek cred or you know just just dignity as a composer to <laughs> to no no no, but to show us to remind us why he's considered among the yes. greats and to to show us that he is capable of bringing new things to the table and even yes. rehashing old things in new ways which is also fine in this business. So yep. I, that's that's really why I appreciate the Spider-Man score. I think um, yeah. so much well is because it's it's a reminder of 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 why those of us who've been listening to Horner for a while have always been you know holding out hope that <laughs> that we'll get him back <laughs> yes. some someday. Absolutely. Well, very well said. I, I mean, to st- I mean, my quick synopsis of what you just said so well is that it, it was it was affirmation reaffirmation that he still will try 
You know what I mean? He's just, you could tell that he tried. He's like, I'm not, I'm going to pull some things together here and do something different and be creative. Exactly. And it was, and it was just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is what Horn used to do all the time. Exactly. And that's what and I felt built was up missing so- in, in his other yes. recent scores. It's just, he felt like he wasn't trying. It was just so yes. phoned in, you know, with yeah. occasional flashes where he like accidentally paid attention. And then it just, yeah. So anyway, this awesome. awesome. Yes. Yes, Amazing. I'm waiting for to, I'm waiting for the sound of Richard's head to go, <laughs> but I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> I've never had that problem. I've never no um, found that James Horner's not entertaining. Hmm, it's always enter. I mean, he doesn't write bad scores. It's just I mean, and and I get in that mood too, where I just want to hear James Horner music, even though it all sounds not all, but some of it just sounds so. Mm similar and that's fine and i'll just listen to everything and i'm like cool but there still was a longing for to be able to say this is something fresh from james horner even if even if it does incorporate other ideas that he's long used it still overall feels fresh and i couldn't really say that honestly even with avatar it's like there's some fresh elements but overall it's just kind of you know james horner but this is different to me this is there, this is fresh, and I like and I like experiencing experiencing that as I listen to his music. Um, well, as we wrap it up, we don't we we want to give a little bit of time to the the Spider Man music of old that's come before uh, the Amazing Spider Man. So I just want to put it out there to you guys. I think Mary, so you've kind of already put yours out there that you that you put this. Was it the film that you put as the best Spider Man entity? you've experienced yeah that was that was what i was intending to say at that point but if we're being specific to music i would also say the same thing um because i have never actually liked the danny elfman spider-man thing at all i i don't know why because i i can appreciate it from a sort of technical perspective and like yes it's good film music and yes look at all those devices that are good and but for some reason it just has absolutely no resonance with me i i just i can't listen to it and enjoy it it doesn't speak to me in any way so yeah for me this Mm. was this was definitely superior but Mm -hmm. it's it seems like it's probably more of just a personal tasting than anything i can quantify in a meaningful way Hmm. interesting what about you uh edmund um I wanted to go back over the Elfman Spider-Man scores before this, and I never got the time to, and so it's been a while since I've heard them. But I think my overall impression is that I like this a little bit more. I like Horner more. Yeah. I I love what Elfman's done, and his his main title cue is fantastic, but I often find that the bulk of those scores I don't get into quite as much. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, I have listened to them recently. And and there are some good moments in each, but majority of it is is very to me is very flat. Um, I will have to say though, uh, Christopher Young's work in the third one, I really enjoy it a lot. Say, that score yeah. needs a release. Yeah, I, I think he did some amazing work, and probably in my opinion, the best of the three. Even though it kind of stands on its own and is a little bit divorced from the other two, simply because it's young and not Elfman. But man, he did some some great work there. Um, uh, I, Richard, you, I think you have some different ideas about the films and, and those scores. What do you say about the previous 
Spider-Mans and their music? Um, I guess I can't compare the film quality, but I uh, Spider-Man 2 was my favorite in terms of film. Uh, uh. And I think I agree with you and Edmund in that the main theme is, is great, but the rest it does kind of fall flat a bit. In the film, I think it sounds good, but on album, I don't really think, listen to it that often, apart from the main themes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would say that James Horn is, is better as a CD uh, release. Hmm. Okay. But I do really and enjoy the first two films a lot. I think Tobey Maguire was good. Uh, I think even um, Kirsten Dunst is the only film I've ever enjoyed her in. So. Okay. <laughs> so, so one wow. vote for Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> One vote for Mary Jane. Someone had to vote for her. And they don't the villains. Too bad. I thought were pretty good as well. But in the first and two, what? the villains were pretty cool. Yeah, I think the villains are the best thing. Oh, we're going back to the villains because I did not like the Goblin, Green Goblin, the first one. I mean, it was such a joke. The first time I saw him, I'm like, really? He's yeah. a metal Green Goblin? I just was. I just laughed. <laughs> All I could do was laugh at that. It was I'll so get terrible. next time, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'd rather him be in the purple and green tights on a flying wing throwing pumpkins. That would have been better than the metal Green Goblin. Just didn't buy it. <laughs> I mean, granted, that's pretty hard to bring to life uh, in, in the new millennium, but they failed miserably, in my opinion. Um, Doc Ock, though, pretty good. Yeah, give him credit. Yeah. Doc Ock was great. I give him credit. And then the third one, too many. Too many <laughs> villains. Too much going yeah, on. They, it's like, they, they didn't... <laughs> so for grace uh, I mean what yeah <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> um, so it sound, I think you guys answered this question already but so the amazing Spider-Man in terms of the score it sounds like it's ranking at the top of, of all of the Spider-Man films for all of us is that true yes with an honorable mention to Chris Young yeah I would say yep. the exact same thing except I would say that um I would probably give a vote of faith to Chris Young if he didn't, if he wasn't following in the footsteps of Danny Elfman. Like if he just had the franchise to himself, I'm sure yeah. that would have been the best. Oh yes. But given the circumstances, the uh, the new one is definitely on top, followed by Christopher Young, followed by nothing. Um, <laughs> and with the possibility, it just drops no, off no, the cliff right hang there. On, huh? Hang on, no, no, no. I'll I'll put in the uh, the original TV theme as well, just because it's so iconic. Okay, cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to, if no one did. For me as a kid, that's always Spider-Man's theme. I mean, all of these others are great, but when you say Spider-Man to me, the first song that comes to my head is that one by Paul uh, Weber and Bob Harris. Uh, it's just, it is the iconic sound, uh, song, sound, whatever you want to call it, uh, for me in that, for Spider-Man. And so I got to give a shout out to them because it will always be no matter, well, yeah, I can't see anyone surpassing that. Although, Elfman's theme, I give it credit. It it did become an icon of its own during that era. Uh, you heard that music and immediately you thought Spider-Man. I don't know if Horners will become that. Um, so I, I have to tip my hat to Elfman in, in that regard. That that was sort of an icon. The main, main theme, anyway, was kind of an iconic thing for that era. Um, so can't deny that anyway would you guys refute that that it wasn't an iconic kind of sound no i'd i'd agree that's it's it's a very strong piece and it's pretty well recognized yeah. probably one of elfman's most recognized pieces next to the simpsons theme and the batman theme and yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I th- yeah. Well, that's that'll open up a whole can that's right true. there. But <laughs> all right. Well, any final thoughts about the Amazing Spider-Man or Spider-Man previous movies or TV shows and its music in general before we finish up? I'll say one uh-huh. thing, just a very quick thing to about the film. Um, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't have gone to see it in theaters unless we were having this discussion. Um, so having experienced that, having gone to see the film and having been very much pleasantly surprised by it from several perspectives, I would say that if you're in a similar position where you're thinking it's not worth seeing it, why did they make a reboot? It's totally unnecessary. You are correct. It was unnecessary, but it's also worth seeing. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that helps anyone, but you know, I was in the same position, didn't want to see it. I was with Richard going, why did you make this? This is, we didn't need another one. Um, yep. But since it's here, you may as well check it out because it is better. I think, I, well, I think it's better. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Good point. It's certainly a very, uh, a worthy superhero movie. Let me, this is a question I meant to ask, and hopefully this doesn't make us go for another half an hour, but it could. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man score or the Avengers score? Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Easy, easy, yeah, easy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, did you did you concur with that, Marius? Yeah, Spider-Man all the way, no question. Well, what Marius said before about how the Spider-Man score sounded like something that you couldn't slap over any genre film. Yeah. That's exactly what good. the Ag- Avengers was. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Although I, I like the Avengers a lot, I I couldn't put it over Spider-Man. Um, yeah, it looks like the chat room agrees as well. Spider-Man is a little bit better. Has and I'll just say for those of you, uh, I'm I'm sure everyone here has and in the chat room has listened to the Dark Knight already. This is better. This is better. Yeah. Well, Spider-Man is better. Yeah. Oh, now we get our half-hour talk going. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to be something for the fiftieth though, because I've never been a big fan of the Zimmer Batman's. Okay, chat room. What about you? You guys taking Spider Man over Batman score? Let us know. Type it in there. I don't know. I I need to see the film first because the film is going to impact the way I feel about the score. I like the score already, but the film is going to definitely impact how I feel about these about about the music. Um, Richard, what about you? Uh, yeah, prefer Batman. Okay, yeah. hands down. Yeah, huh? Definitely so you need to see the film. Marius? Oh, boy. You know, that's actually difficult for me to answer because I, I, uh, hmm. I appreciate the Dark Knight scores quite a bit, but I don't actually listen to them very much. Hmm. I, I don't know. I always, I mean, the one thing I like about Zimmer is whenever I listen to his work, I learn something new. Um, more recently, it's been new stuff about mixing rather than new stuff about writing, which is disappointing in some ways, but... Um, yeah, I I don't know if if I'm talking about a purely listening experience thing, I'd probably have to side with Spider-Man in this case. Um although although what I have heard of The Dark Knight Rises has been very um badass, very much like, oh, taking the original stuff and turning it up even higher. Um but at some point it starts to push into the ridiculous rather than the <laughs> Like it doesn't start, you know. It's it's almost like the whole Batman persona to me. Like I can't take Batman seriously. I can't do it. It's just it's it's such a stupid. Con- or sorry, <clears throat> it's 
<laughs> I can't take it seriously. Um, but the music... You're talking about the comic as a whole? Yeah. The idea. The comic, the yeah. whole concept. And now these films that are trying to play him up as this, like, really serious character. I'm just like, oh, my God. Okay. I, I can't do it. I, it's not possible. But... Um, I do like the music. I like the music for the first one. What I've heard so far of this new one um, sounds like he's done some creative stuff, but I almost feel like it's not as creative as it could have. You said the first one. You skipped the second one. I skipped the second one? Oh, I skipped the second one. Said- yeah, sorry. I, I was talking about the um, just the Dark Knight. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Not Batman. Yeah, not Batman. Okay. Again. Sorry. I, I just disregard that one for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah. Uh, well, we will we will use this as teaser for the next uh, podcast. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. But because uh, I think it's going to be a very very fun discussion to have. Um, okay, I think that's going to do it for this bonus episode of the Soundcast. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining the chat room today and for supporting the uh, the Soundcast. And you can further support us by telling somebody, hey, check out Soundcast, please. They talk about Spider-Man in ways that no one else does and no one else should, actually. Um, um, but you can find us on iTunes, of course. Give us a rating there if you'd like to. Uh, you can just Google us, the Soundcast Podcast. You'll find us on the Track Sound site. You subscribe there. Uh, if you want to let us know what you're listening to, what you thought about uh, The Amazing Spider-Man or what your other favorite Spider-Man score might be, be it from one of the Raimi films or or elsewhere, you can do that by emailing us at soundcast at tracksounds.com or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at tracksounds or you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 407-512-0614. Also remember, the Soundcast is now a part of Stitcher Radio, which I'm really excited about. Uh, If you don't have the Stitcher Radio app on your phone, you can get it for free on uh, Android, and I believe it's free on iOS as well. That'll make life really simple for you in uh, being able to get our podcast and listening and listen to it wherever you might be. Um, so, Marius, where can people find and follow you? Um, pretty much anywhere they care to search for Mathazar, um, to be honest. M-A-T-H-A-Z-Z or Z-Z if you're up in Canada with me, A-R. Um, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like, I'm around. Happy to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Edmund, where can people find and follow you? On Twitter, you can find me at, at Edmund Meyers, And on Facebook, you can type in my name and I am sure to pop up. And yeah, echoing Mary's sentiments, I'd always be glad to hear from anyone. Awesome. And Richard Buxton, where can people find and follow you? Uh, at Monkey Butler Man on Twitter. That's, that's uh, it. Uh, <laughs> you could find me on other websites with that name, I guess. Okay. I might not be talking right. about film music so much, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> what would you be talking about? Oh, I don't know. All Some kinds risky of things. Okay. Now, Edmund, I was hoping you were going to get a new Twitter handle, a shorter one, like C-Note. But you haven't done that. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because your name and... Richard's name take up, take up many so characters. many freaking spaces gotcha. when I'm trying to tweet something. I have to leave whole words out because of his <laughs> names. <laughs> so maybe you can be uh, MBM instead of Monkey Butler Man or something like that. Or just Monkey Butt. <laughs> that's <laughs> even better. That's even Monkey Butt. I'm sure that's available. <laughs> that's All right. Yes, it does. 
All right, everyone, thanks for uh, joining in again. And until we are talking about this great stuff again, we say may the notes be with you.